to the Batman Tasticast, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman, the animated series. Our podcast offers a deep dive into each episode in a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman. And to introduce our hosts today, sitting across the table from me, the coolest man I've ever met, Mr. Jordan Hugh. And sitting across from me, this is how I'll always remember you, Mike, surrounded by winter and podcast equipment, forever young, forever beautiful. The monster who took you from me will soon learn that podcasting is a dish best served cold, Michael Staub. That was um, perfection. Thank you. I just want to let you know that this German accent is only slightly there. <laughs> um, I... All right, folks, this is a big one. This might be the big one. It's weird that we're so early in the series and we're talking about possibly the best episode in the series. We're talking about the 14th episode on the production order, and of course, it's the fourth episode on the broadcast order, but we are talking about possibly the single greatest episode of television, animated television ever. Uh, We are talking about... Batman the Animated Series, Season 1, Episode 14, Heart of Ice. Heart of Ice. We have, I'm sure, people who will only listen to this one episode yes. of our show. Yes. I would say absolutely. I think that I think that people are looking and waiting for this episode. I hope our <laughs> listenership does not fall off a cliff after this episode. I mean, it, it, could. it might. It might. That's okay. It might. But you know what? Listen. What are you going to do? We went out on top with this. <laughs> we Freeze. went out on top. That's right. So uh, just to... Uh, just to to talk about this episode, this episode is we're going. This is a gush fest. Uh, this this we're gonna be. Jordan and I have talked about this. You know, I got a couple of gripes. Yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> your gripes are. I've, I've read some of your notes. Your gripes are so slight. They're slight. They're slight. It's it a doesn't very good even episode. matter. It it does matter because you know we got to find something right that 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 we have issues with because that's kind of part of doing a critical analysis. It's part of being a nerd, man. Yeah, it's like no, nah, they shouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're when you're talking about this series, Heart of Ice is always one of the episodes that pops up as one of the best. This is probably in everyone's top five. Yes. And it, for many people, it's top one. It probably should be in everyone's top five. If you're someone who's like, I don't really like Heart of Ice, I'm like, do you like this show? Right. Well, look, I'm sure there is a minority population who dislikes Heart of Ice, but it's an extreme minority. You have to hate Mr. Freeze, or you had to have been like a big fan of the original Mr. Freeze to if you don't like this episode. I guess those people might be out out there but i i they're hard to find no they are definitely hard to find or maybe you're a big fan of mr zero from uh the old comic books but we're going to get into that in a little bit yeah so this is a big episode where do you want to start with this i think the first thing we need to start about with this episode is we need to talk about mr freeze Okay, so origins of this character yes i think which was nothing like this nothing like this so mr freeze First debuts in Batman Comics in 1959. Good good lord. I know, right? Forever ago. Yeah, it's like 80 years ago or whatever, like 70 years ago or whatever. Um, As Mr. Zero. Okay. uh, A hack villain. Better name, by the way. Actually, a better name than Mr. Freeze. Yes. Even though I do like... I do like Mr. Freeze quite a bit. And and yeah. I will let you all know out there, listeners, I'm a gigantic fan of Mr. Freeze. I will get into reasons why I like Mr. Was Freeze Was that a cold so joke? Yes. A giant fan? A giant fan. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. I, I would leave, but I can't. Yeah, I know. You you have to. I have least... to record the rest of the show. Yeah, that's part of your job. This, this show is too important. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> so he was originally debuted as Mr. Zero in 19... 19... 
1959. He was originally wrote as a originally written as a joke villain with a gag gimmick gimmick that he had this kind of freeze gun that would freeze Batman and Robin, you know, and it was kind of goofy 50s, 60s nonsense. He became Mr. Freeze in the 1960s show. So they changed his name over to Mr. Freeze uh, in the 60s. And he was still a joke. He was a joke in the 60s show. He was a joke in the comic books um, until Crisis on Infinite Earths. At some point, Mr. Freeze is killed by the Joker and kind of put to rest. They never bring the character back or they let they leave him dead until this episode airs. So Heart of Ice is essentially like a reintroduction and a reboot of the character. So for all of you nerds out there who are like, they reboot too much stuff these days, this is something... <clears throat> This is something that happens in comic books quite a bit. There oh, was yeah. a big reboot after Crisis on Infinite Earths in the 80s and as we got into the 90s, but this episode was so good and DC and Warner Brothers liked this episode and liked this version of the character so very much that they actually went and changed his origin in the comic books to be that of the animated series. And outside of a few characters that were specifically created for cartoons that then moved over into the comic books uh, most famously harley quinn who we will get to in another eight episodes geez so long to get to her um spider woman is another one firestar x23 um there's a whole bunch of them that were made for cartoons that then moved to the comics but that's very rare yeah it's also very even more rare that you have a character who has an origin and then that character is rebooted within the universe after the comic book company does a reboot and completely changes his origin but takes his origin from a cartoon that was popular at the time yeah it's really it's just it's just a really interesting take and it just shows you just how good Paul Dini and Bruce Timm were working on this episode and they knew what they had when they when they produced this episode yeah the only credit that I will give to sort of the original version of Mr. Freeze Mr. Zero whatever you want to call him is that is at least a moderately compelling gimmick yeah the way that ice looks when it's um, either drawn or animated is really cool yeah oh boy oh, there's boy. gonna be a lot of these hey everybody um, chill yeah there's um uh, there's kind of a beauty to it. Also, it is something difficult for heroes to deal with. Uh, even the Flash has yeah. Captain Cold, who's a very similar villain. You killed Captain Gold! Oh, dear. Um, I can't believe how often that comes back, by I the know, way. I know, um, I would say almost every superhero has a cold-themed villain. And up until the animated series, Batman's was not particularly good. Yeah. I would have gone with the icy villains from anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you also have an icy friend. Like Iceman. Iceman. Yeah. Um, Iceman's pretty good. In, in the in the world of the ice theme characters, Iceman is. I think he's number two. Ice Freeze. Mister Freeze is number Mr. one. Mister Freeze is number one, but Iceman as a as an Omega level mutant is is <laughs> right. pretty pretty ridiculous. Well, but now listen, this is really getting ahead of ourselves. Mister Freeze is kind of an Omega level character because in the comics he keeps changing his form. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. His but, body deteriorates. He becomes a robot. He gets a new body. Like it's pretty crazy. Also, at the same time, too. Um, Mr. Freeze is like one of the only real supervillains Batman has. You mean like real supervillain in terms of like a really powerful yes. villain? Like he, he could fight Superman. He could yes. fight anyone. Yeah, like Mr. Freeze, like 
Mr. Freeze has superpowers to a degree. Well, now in the comic books, even more so. Sure. Where they kind of actually gave him freeze powers. Yeah. There, well, there's a weird split with the Batman villains because you have guys like Joker and Two-Face and, I don't know, Ventriloquist or something like that. These are just like, they're amazing villains and they do crazy shit, but they are ultimately regular people for yeah. the most part. Yeah. They yeah. don't have superpowers. It's like... It's like, you Batman know... Batman doesn't have superpowers, no. so that makes sense. But then you have guys like Clayface and Killer Croc and Mr. Freeze. And, and you're Poison like, Ivy. And Poison Ivy. And you're like, wow, you guys could fight anyone. And they do. Yeah, and they do. And ultimately, that's under... Oh, or Solomon Grundy's another one. Grundy, you know, sure. Grundy's yeah. another one. So Batman has very few, like, super-powered supervillains. And Mr. Freeze is kind of like... Probably one of the best of them. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Poison Ivy fan as well, but uh, Mr. Well, Freeze Ivy kept getting more powerful, yeah, right? Yeah. Freeze, I think, even starting off here is powerful. Well, yeah, Ivy also has connection to the green power source that, you know, Swamp Thing also uses and all that stuff too. So they've kind of given her some of that stuff as well. But Mr. Freeze is has become so much more compelling since uh, Batman the Animated Series. What is your feelings on Freeze in general? Like... How have you felt about this character? I love Mr. Freeze on Batman the Animated Series, and I find that the second it moves to anything else, I don't like him. I don't really like Mr. Freeze in the comics for the most part, even though they took his origin from the Animated Series. I'm always just kind of like, oh yeah, it's a Mr. Freeze comic. There's something about hearing someone do the voice that I just need. Um, We have this amazing performance from uh, Michael Ansara, uh, in this episode and in this series, yeah, it's something about actually hearing the robotic voice of Freeze that is, I don't know, it just does something for me. Reading it on the page isn't quite as good for me. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, the Schwarzenegger performance is horrible. Oh, it's horrific. Uh, we'll talk more about it. And then I, I, I don't really like Freeze in just other versions. It has to be this. Yeah. And his voice is incredibly robotic in this. Michael Ansara does an incredible job. Uh, with this character, and we will talk more about his performance later. But it's like he's purposely like void of emotion. Like he himself has right. been frozen. He himself, is or so also, he claims. So he thinks. Yeah, right. and we we will talk about that later on in the episode. But it's robotic. But like, and I, his words hang on the air like a chill. Like even his performance feels like you ever you know you know when when it's cold out and you go outside and the air is kind of heavy. Yeah. His words, like, hang there like that. They do. Well, also, this episode, his dialogue is impeccably written. Yes. So it's it's one thing that the dialogue is robotic and kind of like this, but he's also saying things that are beautiful. Yeah. So there is this profundity about the things that he says. You yeah. really take him seriously. Yeah. No, that's true. And... It's almost like he's like a well, he's clearly a tragic villain, right? In this, he's, in this thing, he's maybe the most tragic villain. I don't know. It's a really close race between I think Freeze, Two Face, and Clayface for yeah. like who has the most yeah. tragic origin story. I can tell you from just how they're portrayed in the animated series, Mister Freeze wins. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and Mister Freeze, because because it's almost like you can almost understand why Mister Freeze is doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um, in this show, in this series, in this episode. Um, and he's, he's, it's iconic. His look is iconic. And I did some research yeah. uh, on this. And he's designed by Mike Mignola. The Hellboy, Hellboy uh, yeah. artist. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike Mignola designed Mr. Freeze for, for Batman the Animated Series, which is amazing. It's a good look. It's a little spaceman. A little spaceman. And it's a, I mean, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. a little steampunky. Yeah. Uh, and in a way that I think, is so befitting this dark deco thing they're going for. They're like, well, what would this look like in in this art style? Yeah. 
and it's kind of perfect. Mr. Freeze has one of my favorite designs. Yeah, no, it's and it's it's iconic from the like the snow globe head well, to the red eyes. You know I love a globe head because yep. I love I love Mysterio. Mysterio baby. <laughs> we're, I we love are, a fishbowl. We are big Mysterio fans here. Um, you know, and it's you know what really gets me for Freeze in, in terms of the appearance? It is I love the red goggles. Yeah. I think they rule, especially when the helmet fogs up. Yes. Because then all you really see are like these demonic robot eyes inside the glass dome that is fogged up and you're like this thing's coming to kill me oh absolutely and when the episode starts and he delivers his first line his uh klingon proverb of you know revenge is a dish best served cold he doesn't open his eyes until he says cold yeah and his eyes open up and you see this these these horrific red eyes just staring into your soul right and you know they had to have known what they had this episode, this episode airs fourth in the run. Sure. It's the fourth episode in the run, so it airs after Cat and Claw 1 and 2, Yeah. then On Leather Wings, and then Heart of Ice. Yeah, we kind of determined here at the podcast that every time there's something that they produced later but broadcast earlier, it's something they had extraordinary confidence in. So anytime something is produced as late as this and they kind of bump it all the way forward, they know that it's good. And yes. You know, when you see the names come up in the beginning and you're like, oh, my God, this is, um, you know, directed by Bruce, uh, directed by Bruce Tim, written by Paul Dini. That's the equivalent of watching an episode of The Sopranos and you see, oh, this one's written and directed by David Chase, the series yes, creator. The, the guy who created so you, it. You know when the series creators are working on an episode that it's going to be something of extraordinary quality. And this, in terms of the early run of this show, is a masterpiece. Yes, this is absolutely a masterpiece. And it's. One of the best episodes of an animated anything I've ever seen. Uh, this one airs on September 7th, 1992. And that is a Monday. So this is the first episode they show of that week. So Batman the Animated Series must have aired on, you know, must have aired, um, you know, it started over a weekend, I think. The first two or three episodes were shown over a weekend. And then by the time... You get to it, you get to Heart of Ice, which airs on a Monday. So imagine coming home from school and turning on Heart of Ice after like the first day of school, yeah. right? Or this might have been Labor Day. This might have been Labor Day 92 when this aired. So this is a wild episode to show this early in, but it's also definitely an episode that will stick with you. Um, it'll stick to you like snow. And it's... There's a reason why it's so early, right? Oh, absolutely. It was well, special, and it, it, it sets a tone. It's like, this is what the show is. Yeah, so I'm thinking, if you're like a kid watching this at the time, you've, you've watched maybe the first week of the show, and you've seen already, On Leather Wings, Christmas with the Joker, Nothing to Fear, and you've gone, you've told all your friends about yeah. this show, and I think it's kind of like, this is the one that has to prove it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, no, oh, no, please, tune in on Monday. It's the next time it's going to air. And then they tune in, and they see this episode. And then it's, yeah, and then it's Mr. Freeze, who's terrifying... Um, it's a very mature episode for a kid's show uh, across the board. But still, Mr. Freeze is still very much an action figure villain. You know, he's still very, very much toyetic. toyetic. Very toyetic. And that's my first experience with Mr. Freeze as a character was that I got like the late 80s toy biz DC <laughs> Where he, he looks like Lex Luthor. It, they probably used the same head. <laughs> probably. 
Uh, they probably use the same head, but the Mister Freeze toy you could like get his you could get his head cold with water or like put him in the fridge and it would turn blue. Oh, you know what's really sad? I we had the same action figure. I never knew that. Yeah, I never put him in the freezer. Yeah, yeah, and now I, he's gone and I'm sad. Um, <laughs> we're gonna have to go. On eBay. Why did my mom get rid of all my toys? Why do you hate me, mom? <laughs> they take up space, man. She'll never hear this show, but I'm mad at you, mom. No, that's a shame because it's a good show. <laughs> uh, and. That was my first experience with Mr. Freeze. I had Batman figures from the movie and the DC figures that came out, uh, the Toy Biz DC figures that came out at the time. And that's kind of my first experience with Mr. Freeze. But you can see as the animated series goes on and as this episode uh, becomes more and more prominent, it wins a daytime Emmy. Yeah, this is their Emmy winner. This is their Emmy winner. This one wins the Emmy for them. But Mr. Freeze will go on to be such an important villain for Batman or such an interesting villain for Batman, specifically because of this episode. Even when you go and play Arkham City, which is the second of the um, Rocksteady-made Batman games, um, the best boss fight in the game is Mr. Freeze. Yes. By far. Well, again, uh, you said before, he has powers that are very, very good. Uh, They're very gamey. Yeah, they're gamey, Uh, they're toyetic, but also he's smart. Or gamified. I don't know. Whatever made-up word I want to use here. Gamified is right. Uh, So he's also a very smart character. So when you fight him in Arkham City, there's... Batman has all these tools he can use and all these skills because he's Batman. Right. But, like, you can only use a tool or a skill on him once because then he learns. Right. So, like, if you sneak up behind him and hit him in the back of the head... You can't sneak up on him anymore. You just need to hit him with chicken soup. Yeah, we will get to that. Okay. We will get to that later with the chicken soup. But let's talk a little bit more about this episode before we get into this episode. Sure. Let's well, just keep talking. Do we want to talk about our our voice performance? Do we yes. want to get into that now? Yeah, let's talk about Michael Ansara. So Michael Ansara, a famous TV actor, he actually wasn't the first person considered for this. Um, this will be no surprise to the listener. The top choice for this role was none other than Sir Anthony Hopkins. And he ate his well, I can I can imagine using his Hannibal Lecter voice yes, for I Mr. Freeze. Avengers of this best of cool. Um, they also considered uh, Anthony Zerby uh, or Zerb. I'm not, I'm not sure. Clearly, I don't know that actor. I'm sorry. Someone's yelling at me right now, I'm yes. sure, in it's their car. It's Zerbal! I know. Um... You know who I always thought would have been a great Mr. Freeze? Patrick Stewart. Engage. I know. Well, I know. Eh, look, it's limiting. It's like, oh, who's a great bald actor? Hey, listen, that's listen, fine. Does, isn't he the best bald actor? He's up there. It's like between him and Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, of, the, of that particular generation. Yeah, yeah. Those older guys. I would say right. that he's definitely up there. But Patrick Stewart, I think, would have looked great in the suit. With the goggles. And I wish they would have used him instead of Schwarzenegger. Yes. He would have been so good. Schwarzenegger was such a joke. Um... Anthony Hopkins would have been terrific. This this show airs a year after Silence of the Lambs, so... Yeah, I also don't think Hopkins would have done it. No. He's too high profile to be doing a, a children's animated show. But you know what? They have a lot of really class A talent on this show. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, I, 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 just, I just don't think Hopkins would have. I also think that you put Hopkins on it as Mr. Freeze, and like you said, you're not going to escape the Hannibal Lecter. It's just going to sound like Hannibal. I think that's the right. problem you run into, and you don't have a performance that comes off as unique. Like we've said on this show... Plenty of times that like Mark Hamill's Joker and Mark Hamill's Hobgoblin aren't all that different. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, you kind of lose Hobgoblin because you're like, oh, it just sounds like the Joker. So I feel like um, Michael Ansara does this job on this episode that's just so, so good, so robotic, so cold to the point where they had to tell him to act less. Right. So, yeah, I'm looking at our notes and it said here that uh, Bruce Tim. Uh, noted he had difficulty 
getting Ansara to play it that flat. Yeah. Because uh, we have to imagine, Ansara is a, a television actor. Yeah. He's used to giving a bigger performance yeah. than this. So, listen, anything's bigger than this. And people working on the show were really doubting the direction in this episode. Yeah. Like, how flat do you want this guy to do it? He's going to sound like a robot. But, of course, that is the point. Yeah. And once you watch the episode, you're like, wow, is this secretly, like, the best voice performance? It's really good. Well, and, you know, it's hard to tone someone back to a point where they sound like a robot but are still compelling. Right. Because Freeze isn't a robot. He's just kind of like a robot because he is dead inside. His emotions are dead in me. And uh, Michael Ansara's TV actor has been in a bunch of stuff. I believe he was one of the Klingon like commanders in the original Star Trek. So yeah, he's he was around... uh, Captain Kang. Captain Kang. Yeah. yeah, Captain Kang. So he's been around. Not Kang the Time Bandit or whatever his name is. Kang the Conqueror. Not that one. Not Different that one. Kang. Nor is it Captain Kangaroo. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Can't forget that's that. That's the one I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of Captain Kang. Big, big pockets. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And it's such a good performance. It's such a great version of the character. Um, but let's go a little bit further into how Deanie kind of changed. Yeah, yeah. Go how for Deanie it. How kind of changed Mr. Freeze. Like we said, Mr. Freeze was a joke yeah. before Heart of Ice. So first of all, this is where we're going to hit a little bit of points of contention here. Uh, Deanie gave him the alter ego Dr. Victor Freeze spelled like fries spelled fries. I'm not really sure why this was done. It is stupid, but it also doesn't matter. Like, it is stupid, but it doesn't matter that it's stupid. It's like, okay, yeah, Dr. Octopus is named Otto Octavius. Do I take issue with that? Yes, because it's stupid, but also it's comic booky. So I just, I'm like, just let his name be Freeze. It's fine. Yeah. But spelling it Fries is a weird choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and other ways they could have done that. It's also a shame that he loses. But whatever. It's also, a, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I know where you're going. It's also a shame that he loses his PhD. He loses his doctorate. <laughs> yeah, he's no longer Dr. Freeze. He's Mr. Freeze when he becomes a villain. So I guess maybe maybe he gets, uh, I don't know what the equivalent of disbarred would be, but maybe that's what he gets. <laughs> um, so Adini re- rewrote his backstory to make him more of a tragic villain. He added a wife that Mr. Freeze never had, Mrs. Freeze, which is Nora Freeze. That is something they keep doing that approaches being tropey, but I really don't mind it in this episode because they did the same thing for Man Bat. I think that came from the comics, in fairness, to have Francine Langstrom, yeah, 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 nay yeah. March, uh, yeah. in the show, gives Kirk Langstrom humanity. Yeah. Nora Freeze does the same thing for Mr. Freeze, and we don't even really see her in this episode. No, we... Um, but it's good. I, I, I regret calling it a trope. In this case, it is good. It is good because, you know, he's he lost her from... She was ill. Is this the her. opposite of fridging? <laughs> or Whoa! is this the best example of it? I don't know. I don't know. It's technically not fridging because it's not killing... Nora for the benefit of the hero. She's no, already dead. She's she's well, yeah. I don't know. This yeah. is not this does not count as fridging. For the, but for those of you but who But it will... is very chilly. It is a cold. <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop. I will say this much. Um if you watch the Harley Quinn animated series, Nora Freeze is a recurring character played by Rachel Dratch. Yeah, and she is liberated. Yeah, totally liberated. And very hilarious. liberated. Yes, very hilarious. Funny. Um so uh Dini rewrote the backstory to be um to be to be more tragic, he he gave his wife Nora, who dies of disease, even though Mr. Freeze or Dr. Freeze froze her cryogenically so that he could awaken her when they found a cure for said disease, and then she dies anyway. So you have him kind of, he's a vengeful character. He's looking to get revenge yeah. on the folks that um, essentially were responsible for his wife's death. Um, so that's kind of how Paul Dini changes the show. Think of it, Batman. To never again walk on a summer's day with the hot wind in your face and a warm hand to hold. 
oh yes, I'd kill for that. Yeah, so good. These it, lines rule. They rule. They rule. So while I was doing my scene by scene analysis, yes, every time Freeze spoke, I had a hard time not just writing the entire quote I know, down. I know. This is one of the best scripts. And again, some people would say the best scripts uh, um, from the show. Oh, yeah. It's oh, one, of the, yeah. one of the best. It's up there. It's one of the best scripts. It's one of the best animated episodes of anything I've ever seen. The animation on this episode so, is ridiculous. I do want to talk about that. So this is a Spectrum Animation episode. Of course it is. Of course it is. So Spectrum Animation, if you don't know already, Spectrum Animation was a TV, was an animation studio in Japan formed specifically to animate this show and this show alone. Yeah. And they were a spinoff from the other animation studio in Japan called Tokyo Movie Shin Shinsha. Right, TMS. Or yeah. TMS. Uh, TMS, as we said in episode one, but if you haven't listened to episode one, TMS was famous for animating the movie Akira. And if you've ever watched Akira and then you go and watch Heart of Ice, you can see it. Yeah. But also uh, TMS was... They, they animated a bunch of Batman episodes. They animated DuckTales, Tiny Toons, um, all of those Disney afternoon shows. Awesome. Awesome, awesome work. But pertinent to this episode, the extra effort is really noticeable. Oh, yeah. Spectrum and is ridiculous. You had brought this up before, but um, when Freeze speaks, uh, the helmet uh, frosts up a little bit. And Bruce Tim noted in an interview, if you do the DVD commentary, yeah. That kind of attention to detail is so time-consuming. It is the kind of thing that eventually bankrupts that studio. Yeah, so so Spectrum Animation does a handful of Batman the Animated Series episodes, and um, it, it was so costly for them to do this that they did go out of business. Yeah. But, like... They don't even finish Batman the Animated Series. No, they can't. Yeah. They go out of business because of that, because of episodes like Heart of Ice that are so good. Yeah, I mean, they, they keep going so well. for a bit, but this one is one of the ones where they're like, yeah, we... Yeah, they just drain their resources to do it this way. But it is beautiful. It is very, it is very much like an Icarus thing, right? They flew <laughs> way too close to the frozen sun of Mister Freeze, and very just, good. their yes. wings froze and they right. died. Um, and it's sad because imagine if now, granted, most of the show looks very, very good, but imagine if like, m like all the episodes look this good. Like I was watching this episode. With it looks a little too good. <laughs> I was yeah, it's like they it, can't keep this it's up. It's almost like it's almost like yeah, it does look too good. It all looks as good as the opening credits. Yes, the whole episode. The whole episode looks as good as the opening credits, and there's a couple of scenes. The best looking thing, there's like one or two scenes in the ep in the episode that are like jaw droppingly good looking. Yeah. Um, there's one of them at the very beginning where Batman's at the back computer. Um, we'll get more into that when we talk about scene by scene right. analysis. The best the Bat computer has ever looked. The by best the, the way. Bat, yeah. Bat computer has ever looked, and so far the best Batman has ever looked in the show. They all look great. They and it does, and this is for a pre nineteen ninety seven nineteen ninety eight. This is this is for a pre Dragon Ball Z Pokemon and Final Fantasy seven audience pre Sailor Moon audience. This is the most anime the show has looked. Now I say that well, this was pre Sailor Moon. In America. Right. So I was not masturbating yet. No. Right. Well, I don't know. Nine, probably not. Probably not. At six? I would have been six. Yeah, that's too early. That's a little young. I know what that was yet. Yeah. yeah. Go on. I'm Any, sorry. Anywho. <laughs> anywho, this is pre-anime kind of getting a foothold in the United States. Right. So you probably couldn't tell as a kid. <laughs> what? You're still laughing. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, you, you probably couldn't tell as a kid. We couldn't tell as kids that this was definitely done by an anime studio. But as someone who has been a connoisseur and has watched tons of anime. That, what does that word mean? Um, it means that French word you just um, used. It means uh, pretentious. Okay, yeah. thanks. Yeah, pretentious right. about things that I like. Right, good. Um, that's what it means. Yeah. So 
as someone who has watched a ap- absolute boatload of anime since the, the late 90s and continues to watch a lot of anime now, you go back and you look at this and you're like, oh yeah, this looks like an anime. like Or it looks like a video game, cut, like a very good hand-drawn like video game cutscene. So it's it's it looks unbelievable, but there's there's one scene in particular that like has no business looking as good as it is. It's when Batman's firing up the chemical bath. Yeah, that does look really. It good. looks ridiculous. Like 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 the Batmobile firing off and driving looks unreal. But like there's a scene where he flips some switches on the back computer and he heats up this chemical bath, and it looks like it looks like a Gundam starting up. Yeah, like it looks like a Japanese mech show. The sound design is great in that scene. Actually, in this entire episode, because the freeze gun sounds awesome. Um, there is a warmth to the colorization in this episode yeah it just has a richness to it like the perfect degree of saturation it is it, the animation is just stunning it the, really is the, the the design the art the coloring the animation is so very good and and um and i'll tell you few episodes look this good and spectrum really just knocked it out of the park yeah and it kind of makes everything else that releases around the same time on regular broadcast tv as in cartoons for kids look bad yeah so i want to bring up a little bit of controversy in a in a friendly way this is not a criticism of the series itself nor of its creators it's just something i want to debate with you uh i really want to know your real opinion not your fake opinion like usual mike yeah i'm uh just to let you know listeners i'm um I'm a, I'm very good at hiding emotions. Um, yes, he's I'm like Freeze himself. Yeah, I'm very stoic, so I've never ever been told that I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Right, Mike <laughs> is lying. Um, <laughs> do you think they made this episode the best one on purpose? And what I mean to say is, hmm, a little suspicious. Bruce, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini are working personally on this one. The script is impeccable. It's the best the animation has ever looked. It's the retooled backstory that is perfect. It's probably the best the Shirley Walker score has ever sounded, and she's writing this music personally. I'm saying there's dozens of people that are working in this stable. Everybody from Boyd Kirkland to whoever else, Kevin Altieri, all brilliant people, geniuses, really. But they've got, like, the top brass talent on this episode. Are they working like Dr. Frankenstein in the lab to create the perfect episode of this series? Are they trying to get themselves to the core or are they just doing their job and this happens to be the one that they use as kind of the litmus test for everything going forward? I think there are, and I don't want to sound conspiratorial. Please do. But I have a tinfoil hat right here. Oh, good. Can I have it? No, I need it to chew on. Oh, okay. Well, good. How does that make your feelings feel? Tingly. Oh, good. That's good. I like the battery. Um, <laughs> I think you have a point. I think you have a point. And now I can't speculate too much but it does seem like all the dominoes have lined up. Yeah, it does. And if they knew that this was ultimately going to be episode number four that they air on TV, they knew that first Monday had to come out with a bang because you show the show, you debut it, everyone's going to watch it. So the first show after we see Catwoman, after we see Man Bat, you know, has to knock it out of the park. I don't think they knew Freeze was going to come on this early. Okay. I don't think they knew what order the broadcast folks were going to okay. put it in. Okay. But I'm just saying, regardless of that, it seems like, do you think they sat in a boardroom, yeah. Dini, Romano, whoever, Bruce Tim, and said, all right, yeah, yeah, we got all the, the, you know, the people in place, but we're doing Heart of Ice. Like, we need this one to be amazing. I agree, and I think you're right. And you know what probably, you know what probably happened? And now, this is pure internet speculation. I did not do any research on this. I did not read any interviews on this, but this is what this feels like. Paul Dini's a writer. Yeah. You're a writer. Sure. Right? Okay. You're a writer. <laughs> 
you 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 know you've written a whole bunch of stuff you have we've come up with a million and one ideas on how to improve or create episodes yes. and things with some of them are this. good some of them are good you know what a lot of them are really showing just how prominent they're they happening really are. yes they're happening in real life brief segue how about this is still a podcast you can listen to yes and all of our great ideas that we are not paid for are just sitting there ready for you to take yeah so if a powerful producer is listening to the show go to how about this steal our ideas take them but then maybe please hire us and get us out of our jobs. Yeah, we would love to. Uh, we would. We love want to, to work for you. Listen, you don't have to put our cre- name in credits or anything. We'll sit in the back no. room and just spit out ideas we'll be all your, day. We'll be a secret guys. Yeah, we'll be the guys. So we. All right, back to your conspiracy. Anyway, so there, are they sitting around a table doing this? What's going on? This is what this feels like to me as someone who has, you know, talked to creative people like yourself and other friends of ours who have ideas for things. I bet you Paul Dini has had this Mr. Freeze story in his back pocket for years right and i bet you he goes i'm going to do mr freeze and this is how i want to do it that's what it feels like that's what it feels like to me it feels like it's a guy who had an idea on how to make mr freeze a good character because he's got an interesting power and awesome for a cartoon and amazing for a toy that's definitely something where he sat down and like also you bring in mike mignola like a prolific comic book artist and creature creator to make a very um new and original take on Mr. Freeze. It It's just too many dominoes that line up. All of the top talent is working on this episode. I'm almost positive that they sat in a boardroom and go, this, we want to do this one and this is how we're going to do it. Even the way the episode is formatted is different than everything else. Yeah. You know, and we will get into that in a little mo- a little bit more, but... I think you're exactly right. I think there was probably first the germ of a conversation that began with Paul Dini saying, this is a great project to be working on. I have a great idea for Mr. Freeze. And Bruce Tim saying, oh, what is it? And Dini explaining it to him and giving him the backstory and Bruce Tim being like, oh my fucking God, yep. that's the best thing I've ever heard. I want to work on that one. Yep. And I yep. think I think that's kind of how that might have started. I think so. It feels like that. It feels like a how about this episode where you and I were sitting around and be like, you know who's a good villain that people could use? Right. Let's go with like, let's say we were talking about Spider-Man. You know who's a good <laughs> villain that they could really do and make a great character for a movie? Craven. Right? Right. A character that's kind of stupid. Right. That people don't really like that wears a lion shirt. Right. But we can make him cool. And Heart of Ice is... Mr. Freeze. Is, yeah, it's Last Hunt. Exactly. Right. It's, it's essentially... It's, that's the equivalent. Exactly. Or, or Mr. Freeze is John Travolta. <laughs> yeah. Right. And Paul Dini is Quentin Tarantino yeah. being like, no, listen, I could use this guy. I could bring him back. I'll tell you right now, I'd watch that Batman movie. Me Quentin, too. Quentin Tarantino Quentin Tarant- oh my God. directing... Quentin's Batman. Quentin's Batman. Would be wild. Quentin Tarantino directing uh, Mr. Freeze as the villain in Batman. Because it's a revenge story. Right? That'd be good. I feel like Christoph Waltz would be playing him. I've, Christoph Waltz would be Mr. Freeze. I, I would say Uma Thurman would be Nora, but I'm pretty sure at this point it's probably Margot Robbie. Who's Batman? Not Le- Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt. <laughs> Brad Pitt Batman might be all right. Brad Pitt would be pretty good Batman. <laughs> That's pretty good. Quentin, I, I dig this. I'm actually jumped on you get your- Samuel Jackson as uh, Commissioner Gordon. Yes. That? Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. Samuel, Excellent. Samuel Jackson, Commissioner Gordon. Um, who could you get as Alfred? Uh, oh boy, in the Quentin Tarantino universe, who's a good Alfred? I don't know. He loves bringing back old movie actors. We want to use somebody he's already used. Yeah. Damn, that's tough. Oh, you know Bruce what? Bruce Dern? <laughs> no. Make, well, make actually, him American? actually, yes. Is he dead? Bruce Dern is still alive. Oh, okay. Um, he's, I don't think he's dead. I didn't um, bury him. All right. He, he'd be good Alfred. Fine. I, no, I but mean, he's American. He'd be so an American Alfred. That's not good. Uh, all right. You know what? The whole thing's off. That's no, it. Forget no, it. We have no Alfred. Right. You can do Fassbender. Yeah. 
Fassbender would be. Good. Or uh, Tim Roth is another guy that that's what uh, I was Tarantino thinking. likes. Tim he could do Alfred. Yeah. That's a very young Alfred if yes. Brad Pitt is Batman. Yeah, they're like the same age. Right. Well, hey, listen, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, well. Listen, not every how about this episode is, is good, all right? Hey, leave us alone, okay? Yeah, yeah. We, we, listen, that was a short pitch. Short pitch. So, um. Uh, is it, Mike, is it time to talk about Batman and Robin? Yeah, it is. Um, okay. But one of, I would say that Batman and Robin. So Batman and Robin. This is the Joel Schumacher 1997 film. Yes, the 1997 uh, film in quotes. Yes, film in quotes starring this is this episode Batman, uh, the animated series, Heart of Ice is more of a film than Batman <laughs> yes. and Robin is. Batman and Robin is, you know what? The real debate is which is worse: is Batman Forever or Batman and Robin? I don't know. You know, I think Batman Forever is a little bit better of a movie. But only because I'm more insulted by Batman and yeah, Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird because Batman and Robin is terrible. But is that it, is weird. Yes. But no, hold on, hold on. I gotta finish this thought. Batman and Robin is obviously terrible, but it's it's purposely trying to be the campiest thing it could ever be. Yeah. Batman Forever is not trying to be campy. I agree. It's trying to be serious and it's bad. I agree. So it's more of an insult. Yeah. To serious Batman fans. You're right. I keep going back and forth. I think I used to have that opinion too. But I'm pretty I, sure Batman and Robin's the worst movie. Right. But you know what? I don't want to be a total hypocrite. I continually watch both these movies oh, yeah. and I still kind of like them as bad as they are. Oh, yeah. I saw Batman and Robin in theaters the weekend it came Me out. Too. We were kids. Yeah, we it were was kids. 1997. We were 11 years old. It was this, we were there this, opening night. This was the best thing ever. And then you would go to like right. KB Toys at the mall we afterwards. All the toys. Yeah. You know, we might be saying this shit is stupid now, but at the time, this was Christ. Yeah, Christ come again was Batman and Robin. You know, George Clooney as Batman was terrible. I uh, think we knew it was bad at yeah. the time, too, and we didn't fucking care. Those, this, this, when you're 11, it's kind of at the point in your life where you can realize that, like, movies could be bad. Like, this that's might, of the right yeah, age. This might have been one of the first movies that I thought, this is bad. Yes. You know what? Actually, I remember the first movie I remembered. I, I oh, thought yeah? was Oh, yeah? What is bad. that? What is that? The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Oh, that movie stinks. Was the first movie I saw, and I was like, this is a bad movie. Is that what seeing a bad movie is like? Yeah, I guess this was bad. I guess movies can be bad. I think my first bad movie that I remember being bad was Mortal Kombat Annihilation. That movie. That is a very That movie's movie. a steaming pile of garbage. Yeah. So back to Batman and Robin. Uh, so Batman and Robin uses a lot of... Mr. Freeze's backstory from Heart of Ice, but makes it stupid. Yeah, they, yeah, it's it's really, they like desecrate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So in Batman and Robin, he has the same backstory yes. that Deanie introduces in Heart of Ice. Yes. He has the wife in the, I guess we can call it like a cryogenic chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually see her and she is not dead. No. That is to say in the film, in the Batman and Robin film, whatever happened that transformed him into Mr. Freeze didn't also kill her yes he still possibly could save her yes in this version he has she has something called mcgregor's syndrome or something like that that alfred also gets yeah it's listen it's Take not a two and call me in the morning it's not a good movie it's a bad movie but he also tries to freeze all of gotham with a big ice cannon the ice man cometh this the, that movie is so bad <laughs> It's I so almost, bad. I, that was a terrible Arnold because I sounded like walking and I sounded like dead zone walking. The ice is gonna break. <laughs> That's walking. Walking would have been an amazing Mr. Freeze. Oh, I'd, I'd watch that. Where's that casting? Because he's, because he is robotic. Revenge is a dish. Best served cold. <laughs> I can't do robotic walking. That's too many. That's too many it's layers too for many, me. I'm not a voice actor. It's too many layers. But uh, Arnold, as Mr. Freeze, you're taking this character who's become this tragic hero and then you... Mr. Freeze in the show, in in animated series, drops a lot of the same lines 
that Arnold drops. Oh, yeah, he sure does. But at the same time... But the, but the Freeze animated series lines are better. Yeah, better. But at the same time, it shows you how important the acting performance is. Because it's like... Revenge the disservice of cold. It's way different that than That was like, spot on. I thought Arnold was sitting here with me. I know, me too. Me. me too. Uh, I think his line is like, if revenge is the disservice of cold, then, then we, we shall have, have a feast. feast. Freeze in hell, Batman. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Hey, cool party. <laughs> Batman That's the problem is they tried to make Freeze funny. Yeah. Because they were paying Arnold Schwarzenegger like $20 million. They did the something same thing, like that. They did the same thing with Freeze that they, they did They just with, wanted to make him charismatic. Yeah. They did the same thing with Freeze that they did with Two-Face. Hee-hee-ha. Yeah. Stupid. Right. You know what's funny, though? Cold, stoic Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger. Would have been good. Would have been a little better. Yeah. Well, again, you have Joel Schumacher, who, by all accounts, seemed like a pretty cool guy. Cool yeah. guy. Uh, uh, by all accounts, seemed like a, a, a decent guy, like yeah. a decent director. He has a good eye for art and fashion, and even like his Phantom of the Opera movie, which is like, I don't love it, but it looks beautiful. Well, he did Falling Down, right? With did he? Michael Douglas. I don't really know Joel Schumacher's yeah. career that yeah, well, to be honest. I know, that. like, his big spectacle movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, he's a good director. But, like, he, it doesn't have to be said too much more. He totally misses the mark with this. If he had basically done Heart of Ice as a movie, it would have been, like, nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, even in that era, like, it was very hard to... It's very hard to get comic book stuff nominated for anything. It's just, you know what it is? The comic book movies are really not getting up off the ground yet. No. Spider-Man hasn't happened yet. No. X-Men hasn't happened no. yet. They don't really know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. So they just take what material they can, they schlop it into a script, and they put it up there for kids, and they say, look, buy the toy. Yeah, and that's pretty much what it leads to. And this probably leads to kids buying toys, and it leads to kids probably watching the animated series again. And, you know, Mr. Freeze is back in the conversation. His suit looks ridiculous in that movie. It's just, it's such a bad, it's such a bad time and just kind of completely destroys or completely wrecks everything Paul Dini and Bruce Tim were trying to do with Heart of Ice. Right. I mean, they probably feel a little honored because, like, yeah. they took their story, you know? Yeah. No, they absolutely took their story. and But it's so weird to have, like, this campy, schlocky, 1960s Batman-style right. movie... Well, actually, what you just said, that puts it in a more favorable light. Oh, yeah. If you choose to look at the Schumacher films as more of a continuation of the 1960s Batman TV series, that's a better look. Yeah. If you're looking at it as a continuation of, God forbid, the comics or the animated series or the Burton films, then no, it's no, a total failure. Not at all. And it's not good at all. And um, it's such a stark change from... Stark, as in winter is coming. Yeah. I see what you did there. Oh, see, it is inescapable. <laughs> The snow is inescapable. It's it's such a stark difference between what the TV episode um, was trying to do and just how how dark um, the episode is in tone and how much of a tonal difference it is from anything they had done with Mister Freeze before. And and honestly, it's even dark for this show. It's dark for this series, which is a relatively dark show to begin with. Yeah, I'm looking back at the episodes that we've already done uh, for the listeners that have been with us this whole time. And I'm looking at just the run of episodes that we've already covered. This is the darkest episode in terms of its yeah. tone, in terms yeah. of its sense of melancholy. Two-Face parts one and two come close. Yes. 
And those are also excellent. Uh, this is much sadder. Much, much more. Yeah, much sadder. It's a li- There's parts of Nothing to Fear that get a little sad and dark. But it's a little not, heavy. The Thomas yeah. Wayne hallucinations, that stuff yeah. for sure. Yeah, but nothing, nothing kind of um, compares to this. Oh, what? Not the Underdwellers, Mike? Uh, <laughs> you know what, though? I will say this much. Um, I do have to say I, I've been patient. For a very long time with the episodes I have to cover. And I know what episodes I'm covering coming up. And I've got a lot of very good ones coming yes, up. Yes, you do. So you have some of the best episodes. Some of the best episodes. So I'll take I'll take the first, you know, so, yeah. 13 episodes. Or the half of the first 13 not being so I, good. Right. I cover odds and Mike covers evens yeah. if you go in the production order. And Mike had to fucking cover Underdwellers and... The uh, Forgotten. The Forgotten. Almost in back-to-back recordings that we did. It's Christmas been, with the Joker. Christmas with the Joker. It's been really tough for Mike. So you know what? He deserved hard advice yes. and i love mr freeze so this all works and that and you like him more than i do yes, so that's good which works even though I, I love this episode yes i love this episode very much but i think let's talk about some trivia yeah yeah so bruce tim came up with the idea that freeze um barely escaped dying in a cryogenic experiment experiment gone wrong and considers himself dead so he doesn't fear death and he doesn't have emotions so that was like bruce tim's kind of idea where he's already dead. Freeze sees himself as already dead, and he kind of says as much in the episode. Right. So he, too, has kind of like that universal monster, dark man kind of yeah, thing going yeah, on. It's yeah, just yeah. like, well, I'm already dead, so I'm just now... Uh, I'm a different kind of spirit of vengeance, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, not Ghost Rider. I'm a corpse. And, and not Batman. Right. So, there, yeah, there's that corpse-like quality to him, for sure. Exactly. Um, Batman utters, my God, after watching the tape of Mr. Freeze's transformation... Um, which is unusual. I say the same thing after I get changed in the morning and look yeah, in the mirror. My God. My God. <laughs> I take my glasses off when I do it. <laughs> that, that that adds so much more emphasis. It does. That's a Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree. You take your glasses off and go, oh my God. Yeah, actually, I see perfectly. I only wear glasses for emphasis. Yeah, that's... My God. And take them, and take them off. Take them off. Yeah. I mean, we see it so frequently. That's such a point of, of just complete and total amazement is when someone takes their glasses off. Right, so the censors didn't catch it. No, they didn't catch it. is isn't super common, especially in those days. You weren't really allowed to reference stuff. I mean, that that's true across the board. Even yeah. when they brought like The Legend of Zelda to America, they had to remove the crosses from it and stuff. They seem to be a little lax with it because there is a ton of religion and religious reference in It's Never Too Late, Yeah, yeah. Um, which we've already covered. Yeah. The My God, you know why I think they didn't catch it? And this is really flattering. Yeah. I think whoever's watching the episode to see if it meets standards is so enamored with the episode that they're like... No, I Batman needs to say this, or they're not thinking about it. They're just like, "Oh my God, what did yeah. I just watch?" Or they said, my <laughs> "Right, God. they said, my you know? God," because it's like we're showing this in a kids show. My yeah. God, and it's a natural reaction, and also makes Batman sympathetic for Mister Freeze. Yeah, you know, it makes him understand that you know we've gone through this show and we said you know Batman's kind of always portrayed as like this dark brooding jerk, but the animated series kind of be like, listen, Batman puts on that act because he has to, but Batman's actually a, a decent human. Right. Yeah. We've we've said before on the show this series warms up Batman a lot, and it is very effective. And it happens, you know, it's good for a superhero to be warm. Yeah. Like that, and you know, he can be vengeful and he can be you know driven, but that doesn't mean he has to lose his humanity completely. Sure. It's important for the kids to see that Batman has compassion, yeah. which there seems to be at least one moment in every one of these episodes where you're like, no, Batman's a good guy. Yeah, Batman's a decent guy. He just, you know, this is a party place on TV. Right. He's, just, you know, um, he's just a giant bat. Yeah, yeah, but not a giant bat. He's man. A man. Man bat. Man bat. Listen, I will say this much. Mr. Freeze's motivations are better <laughs> very than... Very good. Very good, better than man bats, but not as... Man bats are still the purest. 
No, I don't know. You don't know? I, you know what? I think for the first time, I think Mr. Freeze has the best villain motivation. Oh, he does. You know what? Yeah. I think he tops Man Bat. He d- I would say that. Man- all right, all right. Let's. Okay, you're right. Man Bat's Man Bat's uh, motivations are more simple. Right. Yeah. Right. So the low end is Joker, who's yeah. just like chaos all the time. Yeah. Right. And the high end is. You killed my wife, and you basically killed me, and yeah. now I'm going to kill you. By freezing you to death. By freezing you to death. That's the high end. That's that's the high end. And, and man, somewhere in the middle is, I just want to be a bat. I love how on this show, <laughs> and I've gone back, and now that the shows or episodes are live and people are listening to them, so thank you, everyone, for the positive comments. Jordan and I, like, well, you don't understand how much that means to us when you guys text us or write a review or you know, send us that you're listening to the episodes and telling us how much you like it. That means like absolute, that that's that means the world to us. We put a lot of work into the show, editing, writing music, um, writing notes, watching these episodes three and four times. It means the world to us when you give us those uh, positive, that positive boost. So thank you so much for all that. But I've gone back and listened to like the first episode a handful of times. And like, we were like, yeah, you know, On Leather Wings is really good. It's a great episode, blah, blah, blah. And then as we, as I continue to listen to more of the episodes, as I'm editing them and as we're going through it, I'm like, oh, we really like On Leather Wings. Yeah. We didn't know how much we liked that That's episode. It's coming up the list. Yeah, it's it's slowly <laughs> it's to climbing. The and I'm like sitting there sometimes, I'm watching like one of these episodes and I'm like, yeah, yeah, Be a Clown's really good, but there's no bat. No That's, giant bat. That is the funny thing about starting with On Leather Wings. It becomes like the episode you measure everything against. Yeah. You're like, this episode wasn't as good as On Leather Wings. But the problem <laughs> you know? is now is now that we're you know 14 episodes in, we're watching Heart of Ice, and now we have to measure up everything to this, Correct. which is just like which is tough, really tough. Yes, this is in a category with only a handful of episodes in terms Mm -hmm. of quality uh, and station. Um, So this episode was voted the best episode in the series in 2002 when they did a 10-year celebration of Batman, the animated series. That was 20 20 years ago, Jesus. And um, it's, uh, it's one of those things that everyone likes this episode for the most part you know it's it's an episode that just stands out not just among batman episodes stands out among tv episodes completely yep. uh, and, yeah and we've already said it's their emmy winner it yeah. is you'll find it usually right at the top of most like top 100 or 109 list or whatever people are doing for the whole series yeah um yeah people love it i think you're justified to love it we love it and yeah. we look forward to doing our deep dive today yeah and it's time i think it's time for the dive because i think the whole the first hour of this show has been uh, us the snow is beautiful, don't you think? Clean, uncompromising, and cold. Like the swift hand of vengeance. That was good. That was beautiful. That was good. I yeah, they're going to love that. Oh, they're gonna, they're, they, that's what they came for. They came for that. Yeah, it's almost as good as uh, chewing on... We're Mike. better than watching the show. Exactly. They should hire us to do the next Batman that's show. That's right. Actually, you know what? Let's let's try to get that let's to happen. Write that, let's write to them. Let's, let's, let's con- hire us. Yeah, let's contact Bruce Tim. The Cape Crusader is going to be great. We that's can right. write for it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go into the episode. Uh, if we must. Yeah, I know, right? Um, title card after the after the intro. Title card is Heart of Ice, written in the animated series font. Yeah, so that is very, very know, telling. You already know that this is like, this is a big one, folks. Um, in the background, this is the first uh, title card, I think, that actually has an active background, where the background is actively snowing. Oh, you're right. I think it's this, an is, animated the, this title is the first card. animated title card. Yeah, and it's it's amazing looking, right? It looks amazing, and we kind of hear like this music box music in the background, which is both kind of terrifying and kind of sad and very cold. And then the animation steadily goes right into the first scene. This is something we have not seen, where the title card literally 
transitions into the first scene. Normally, it's the title card, and then we have like a blackout, and then we go to the the main the main scene, the first scene of the show. But in this one, we have the title card. It's actively snowing, and then you see the title card becomes the first thing that we see, and it's a ballerina mm-hmm. dancing, yeah, uh, in a circle while uh, music box music is playing. And as we zoom out, we see that the snow from the title card is the snow of snow globe. Yeah, it's the snow of the snow globe. Snow globe that... Um, In the title card, too, we'd also seen, if we were watching the show for this purpose, we had seen, of course, directed by Bruce Timm yeah. and written by Paul Dini, which is like, what? So when I watched this episode the first time to do the research on it, I did not look it up on any of the wiki, so I totally forgot who had written and directed it. And then I'm sitting there, and it's like Heart of Ice, and then it transitions, and it says, written by Paul Dini, directed by Bruce Timm, and I'm sitting there like, of course. <laughs> right. Of course, right? right? Um, so the title card bleeds right into the first scene. We can see the snow falling. Um, as this ballerina spins around, we find out it's a snow globe, and then we hear Mr. Freeze and his amazing robotic voice. <clears throat> this is how I'll always remember you, surrounded by winter. Forever young, forever beautiful. And then we zoom out and we see like this gleam of light as the ballerina continues to spin and spin. And we see that the snow globe is being held by these purple gloved hands. Rest well, my love. And then we zoom out to see Mr. Freeze's face behind a snow globe. Um, behind the snow globe. And we see that his face is actually in another snow globe. His head is His head and helmet are also... Supposed to be a snow globe. I gather to parallel the ballerina. The monster who took you from me will learn that revenge is a dish best served cold. And then as he says that line, his goggles light up and we see these red-eyed, you know, lifeless, horrific, terrifying goggles. And I already have chills. Yes. Because it's Mr. Freeze. No, because it is so good. I turned the air conditioner up while I was watching this episode. (laughs) We're recording this in the summer. In the summer. (laughs) So I turned it way up. Yeah, it's probably it's this episode probably isn't going to air until like I don't know November. Uh, Novemberish. This, this might be around Thanksgiving at this point. So um, it wasn't cold out. I just you know I made it colder no, in the house. Know, I'm sorry. This will air in December. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it is getting a little colder. Mm. Mm. Revenge is a dish best served cold. And we cut then after he says that. So this is the intro. We cut to Summer Gleason who's outside. There's snow all over the place, but she comments that it's the hottest August on record, which is something we're very familiar with in 2022. It's always the hottest August on record. Every year's the hottest year. Isn't that amazing? It's so good. I, I can't, can't. It's almost like there's a trend. We're doing so well. Everything's going to be great. Yeah, it's great. A uh, little uh, funny include, right? Summer Gleason yep. is uh, yep. in our Heart of Ice episode. She's in the Heart of Ice episode, and she's talking about it being the hottest August, but also mentions that there have been a series of ice-related crimes or snow-related crimes that have been happening in Gotham, all targeting one company, Gothcorp, by some sort of assailant, which, which she describes to be as a freezing gun. And she explains that his motivations are unclear. Right, and we're seeing Summer on a black and white television, which we don't typically get. So we don't always get it because usually when they show us the televisions, usually they're color TV. But I I like the aesthetic of using the black and white here. Yes, and in general, I I like that in general. It's it's got a nice look to it. It gives it that classic noirish look. Yeah, it does. It's really good and really helpful for that. Um, And this episode is kind of like a noirish sci-fi detective story. Yeah, 
you know? So yeah, it does kind of, does kind of do that. Um, then there's a quick cut to Ferris Boyle, who is voiced by Mark Hamill using his natural speaking voice. Yeah. So um, this is Ferris Boyle is the first role that Mark Hamill played on the show. Yeah. So to be clear, even though this episode is produced 14th, to this point, they've recorded those other Joker episodes with Tim Curry in the role. And Hamill has to go back and re-record everything that Curry already recorded, yeah. which is pretty arduous. Yeah. Um, but Ferris Boyle is the first character he actually records and finishes yeah. before he even does anything with the Joker. So weirdly, just a weird fun fact, Ferris Boyle, the villain in this episode, the real villain in this episode, is the first character Hamill records for the series. Which is kind of great. Yeah. And uh, it's very natural. It's very naturally just Mark Hamill's normal kind of speaking voice. You know, he's not doing anything. He's not doing a crazy Joker voice or anything here. Um, nope. Still, you could absolutely tell it's Mark Hamill. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I still, knew still good. The second he hit the screen and started talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, Mark Hamill does this. Yeah. And we cut to him, and he explains that he doesn't know what this person has against Gothcorp. But say, but he says that Gothcorp is the quote unquote people company sure Ugh. and uh that you know clearly evil corporation right uh, we love absolutely. our people right. you know no, yeah the second you tell me you're the people corporation i'm like you are umbrella yes yeah exactly <laughs> right. we love our employees here at goth Corp. we are the people company and he then says that if this person uh who we all know is mr freeze has a problem then we're willing to listen Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So this episode is so popular. Guess what, Mike? We what? had someone write into the show in advance. Really? With a fun fact about Fantastic. this episode Let's that go we did not find in our research. Well, there we go. So uh, friend of the show, Larry Brenner. Hey, Larry. Larry. Larry Brenner, good bud of mine. Really, really smart guy. Uh, educator, playwright, writer, uh, just a all-around fan of arts and entertainment and animation. He pointed out why this character might be named Ferris Boyle. So on the surface, there's um, kind of the obvious thing, yeah. like, oh, Mr. Boyle yeah, 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 versus yeah, yeah. Mr. Freeze. Ha, ha, ha. Funny word pun. And that's as far as I got. Yeah. But he was like, no, actually, he thinks this is an Ayn Rand reference. Oh, okay. So apparently in Atlas Shrugged, which is probably Ayn Rand's best known book. I've never read it, but I've played Bioshock. <laughs> well, I think that's all you need. Actually, all of Ayn Rand I've read is Anthem, and I've read uh, Night of January 16th, which is one of her plays. Okay. And then I've breezed through the Fountainhead to impress a girl. <laughs> nice. Didn't work out. And um, probably better that I did not date an Ayn Rand fan. So my, so if you if you if you breeze through it to impress a girl and it didn't work out, at least you didn't read the whole book. That's right. You didn't waste that much time. At least I didn't name my yacht Fountainhead. Oh yeah, that would be pretty rough. That would be rough. Um so this is what Larry has written into the show and I think this is this is great. So there are two characters in Atlas Shrugged that uh we probably get uh Ferris Boyle from. We have Oren Boyle who in the novel represents the quote-unquote bad businessman. Okay. Someone who is just corrupt from the start. And then you have another character, Dr. Floyd Ferris, who is an evil scientist. Someone who he has great contempt for people. He's misanthropic. He is essentially just into science for the power it gives him over other people. And both of these characters probably combine to give us the name of this character, Ferris Boyle. Mr. Uh, and Boyle. Yeah. Both those characters, Oren Boyle and uh, Dr. Floyd Ferris in the novel, are kind of the mentors to John Galt, who's one of our protagonists in there, who has like this great invention that people are looking to exploit. It seems, knowing what Deanie and Tim are up to, yeah. this is pretty likely yes, the origin for the name of this character. Almost 100%. Sure. And also, keep in mind, we're doing an Art Deco aesthetic. Yeah. 
Mm, Atlas Shrugged yep. is very much set in the world of Art Deco, yep. uh, 30s to 50s. It, it It's absolutely correct. So, Larry, thanks for writing into the show. Uh, this is an awesome fact that I honestly didn't find anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Thank you for contributing. Yeah, uh, Larry, that's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for, so much for writing in. Continue to do that, folks. If you If there's something you want us to talk about, please feel free. Jordan and I are very easy to get in touch with on the internet. So thank you so much for that, Larry. That's the type of deep dive information that Jordan and I love. So that's amazing. I yeah. don't know much about objectivism and I don't know much about Ayn Rand. That's that's for the best. But um, at the same time, I like I said, I played Bioshock and that's even Art Deco. So at right. the same time, it's kind of, it all fits. Yeah. But that's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. Actually, there's, there's sort of an anti-capitalist message in this episode. Oh, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Or at least anti, like, whatever that stage of capitalism is for sure. Like yeah. Late stage capitalism, whatever. Right. Objectivist capitalism. Yeah, objectivist right. capitalism. Yeah. Um, so then we cut to Summer wiping her brow uh, in the August heat while the kids behind her play in the snow. And I feel like her facial expression in here, she's wiping her face. She looks kind of fed up with what she just heard. Like, obviously, it's like she's tired of the heat, but at the same time, it almost seems that it's a reaction to what Ferris Boyle just <sighs> this said. Is, this is the third freezing gun this week. Oh, you, oh, no, I'm sorry. You mean that he's yeah. the people company? He's like, she's kind of like, and and even the way she turns to the camera, like, it's kind of like, she goes, Gothcourt, the people company. Oh, like, she's yes, like I'm exhausted yes. right, right, when right. she's saying this stuff. Like, she's fed up with. Okay, Ferris Boyle, we don't believe you at all. <laughs> sure, this like, city is certainly overrun with corrupt businessmen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's kind of who runs Gotham. Um, and then... Well, this is like when Mayor Hill says he's going to like build like affordable real estate for yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, sure you are. Yeah, okay. We, we, we bet, we bet. And then, you know, as this happens, we see a security guard walking around back or a police officer walking around around back and kids pelt him with a bunch of snowballs and then he chases them away in like a moment of levity in an episode that really has very little, you know, like fun in it. Um, There are almost no jokes in this episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, So then we cut to one of the best looking scenes in the series and it's Batman watching the broadcast from the Batcomputer. Um, but this is the iPhone 20 yeah, <laughs> version yeah. of the back computer. Yeah, like it's unbelievable. The back computer looks has never looked this good. Um, this I love how Batman looks here because they did that thing where like the light lights him up so that he looks like he's Detective Batman. He looks like he's blue and gray right. as opposed to like the black and gray that we've become, become so accustomed to for the animated series. So he's got that kind of 60s Silver Age look. As he's piecing together all the things that have been stolen... And he puts it together and he's like, um, all of the items together that he's stolen can be put together to create a freezing weapon, which is, you know. All right. It's like my only gripe from the episode. It's just like, it's a little simplistic, but also they have 22 minutes. What do I want them to say? Yeah, I got it. Batman figured out what he's going to build. Fine. Listen, they'll give you 22 minutes and then they'll also give you the world. Thank you. Yeah. 10, 10 wins. That's all, the only people who are going to get that are people who are from New York. So I'm sorry for everyone else. Um, you're right, though. It is a little too convenient. But like you said, it's a kid's show, ultimately. And it's, you know, it's you know a 22-minute show. You know what? We're going to forgive it. It's hard of ice. Yes, exactly. So then we go outside. Forget it, Jake. It's hard of ice. Yeah. <laughs> outside of the Gothcorp plant, Batman has said previously that there's only one Gothcorp plant in Gotham that produces the last item that this thief needs to produce this cold cannon. And... Um, we see a truck or a tank or whatever the heck this thing is, an armored van, speed through the security checkpoint at this Gothcorp plant and destroying the booth. Um, though the security guards 
ask the ask the van to stay where it is uh, <laughs> with complete futility. Right. Uh, the design of the truck, which kind of looks like this armored tank, yeah. uh, this definitely inspired what will become like the freeze train yes. in yes. Batman and Robin. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sadly. Terrible. So the truck drives off uh, as the guards are left to see the Batmobile, also looking the best it's ever looked, tear it's, down the street. It looks good. Um, to the same plant. Batman does some really good like drift style driving as he chases down the van. Uh, and then Mr. Freeze's goon, you know, goes to Mr. Freeze while he's driving the truck. We've got company. And so then Mr. Freeze tells the goon to... Keep your mind on your business. I'll handle this. And he's got that slight German accent. Does he? Yeah. Yeah, there's a very, very slight German accent in I didn't there. notice that. Very slight. It's more so when he's Dr. Freeze. But when he's Mr. Freeze, it's it's just like it's like a hint of German. What is that movie with the snow zombies? Is that Dead Snow? Dead Snow with the Nazi snow zombies. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of those. Yeah, definitely. And and um, he's incredibly cold, and he sticks his gun out and freezes the road with his freeze gun, which and he turns it into like an ice rink. Yeah, the ice looks so beautiful. Amazing. There's like this luster to it yeah. in this episode. Like every time he fires the gun, it's gorgeous. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Batman does his best Mario Kart Sherbert Land drift. <laughs> Great drifting. Yeah, great drifting on that. On that, uh, And from Batman inside the Batmobile, we see he's having a good time. He's having a rough time, rather. And uh, he fires the grappling hook, classic Batman move, around a, a lamppost and kind of uses it to kind of spin out. And he crashes into the warehouse. Right, I had thought that, like, I guess he saved himself from crashing the car, but he crashes anyway. Yeah, he crashes anway. <laughs> but the Batmobile seemingly there's, fine. There's only so much Batman can even do. Yeah, exactly. Against just drive, driving on complete ice. Yeah, nobody likes to drive on ice. Black ice will kill you. So then the freeze van truck tank drives up the loading bay and hits the door with his freeze gun, freezing the door and definitely compromising the uh, structure of it. And then they drive the van directly through and it shatters like total glass. Yeah, freeze does a lot of damage. Yeah, man. Dude, this dude is a, is a beast. So ne- we've had two previous disasters that can come to this level. Oh, of yeah. of destruction. There was, of course, unforgettably in Christmas with the Joker, the observatory turns into a giant cannon and starts blowing shit up in Gotham, Awful. which is an episode that I can't even I can't even mention in the same breath as Heart of Ice. No, definitely not. Um, the other is when the Scarecrow inexplicably uses a blimp as his primary form of transportation yeah. and just starts crashing it into buildings because no one he hired can drive the blimp. No, I, I don't think anyone could drive a blimp. Period. Right. Like, I don't think they're possible to drive. Right, and then the Scarecrow escaped using a biplane. Yep. Uh, let's get out of that. Yeah, but yes, Mr. Freeze, big structural damage villain. Yeah, he definitely, he just freezes stuff. Right, but the stuff never recovers. No, like, no. You know, it once you freeze something it, solid, it's except, broken. Except for that guy, Jack's legs. But yeah, we'll, well he to had that. to go into the chemical bath. Yeah, they had to put him in the back, the back to tank. The back to tank, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Freeze commands his guys to load up the canisters, and then he says, hurry, but it sounds like hooray. It's very weird. And then Batman... Because oh, it's like the German thing? Is yeah, that... I think so. Hooray. 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 Uh, <laughs> hooray. I can't do it. Yeah. And then Batman hops out of the Batmobile as we see Freeze's goons loading up the canisters into the truck. Freeze uses the gun to prevent security from getting involved. And then, um, like I said before, everything he says just kind of like hangs on the air like it's a chill. Um, yeah, almost like it's like the frost yes, exhale, like yes. when your breath smokes mm-hmm. in the winter. It, yeah. it does have that vibe. You're yeah, right. It just hangs on the air. It's heavy. Um, and then Batman is on top of something and he hops at the guys and he sees the guys and the guys see him. And they look up. And they're like, the Batman. I love that they're still calling him the Batman. I know, I love it, that. Again, it's that mythology. It's, I, I think it's I, great. I love it. I 
while you and I have had issues with the definite article Batman, I like when people <laughs> say it. I'm starting to like it again. I just don't like the animated show that's called The Batman. Okay, I get it. Um, oh, does that mean we're not going to cover it on this podcast? We might. Let's see if you know people actually want to listen to that. <laughs> I'd rather do Batman Beyond. We'll poll the fans. I'm sure they would much rather do oh, Batman Beyond. Everyone, everyone loves Batman Beyond. So he throws the goons around. And he starts to fight the other guys. He makes quick work of them. And then he points and yells at Mr. Freeze before he knows his name is Mr. Freeze. He says, Freeze, right? That's Mr. Freeze to you. Yep. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> that is one of the few funny lines yeah, from yeah, Mr. Freeze. Yeah. There's like there's like two funny lines from Mr. Freeze, and that's one of them. Right. And uh, he readies the weapon, and then Batman throws a batarang, which freeze, freezes in midair, and it falls to the ground, that shattered. We- that weapon is so good. Oh, the freeze gun, the freeze is, gun like, is so like, good. It's an epic level weapon. Mr. Freeze's freeze gun has got to be like, that's like hitting someone with like a level nine cone of cold. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. There's really very little you can do against no. it. No, <laughs> and it shows in the whole episode that it wrecks everyone. It's got huge range. It fires at instant speed. The recovery is terrible. Yeah, and like also he has different settings that make it like that change what it does based on the situation. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Right. Freeze then says to Batman that his vendetta is personal. It doesn't concern Batman. Batman says that it's his concern probably because it's a public safety risk. Um, and then Freeze says that because he's allied with his enemies, that Freeze has no choice. So he flies. Makes sense to me. Yeah. No, no totally reasonable. Makes sense. An enemy of my enemy is uh, a friend of my enemy is, uh, I guess, my enemy my as enemy. well. So then Freeze fires the freeze gun at Batman, who dodges it because he's Batman. And then he goes to shoot at him again. He dodges it. He uses his batarang or grappling hook to get out of the way. And then he freezes one of the legs, the legs of one of his goons, Johnny, and his legs turn into like a block of ice. And then we see Batman, he swings up to a catwalk, which Freeze then freezes with his freeze gun, totally destroying it, and Batman falls through it, and he falls into a bunch of canisters with like this big thud. And then we cut to Johnny, whose legs are literal ice. Right. Uh, And... Batman's like on the ground and then Freeze adjusts the gun to give like this kind of radial blast with the Freeze gun. So Batman puts his cape over himself, I guess, to like stop from being frozen. It's not clear, actually. I actually thought he got frozen for a second. I think he is um, a little frozen. Like he's like, but not like Johnny's leg. Sure. It seems like the cape or the angle afforded him some protection. Right. But um, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, And then... Batman's out of commission for a little bit and the guys start leaving and Freeze tells them to leave Johnny. He should have been more careful. It's like, wow. Heart of Ice is, is that's right. Yes, the total lack of compassion for the goon. Yeah. The guy um, to do that and then the goons are like, come on, man. He's one of us and then Freeze threatens to freeze them too <laughs> and so they leave Johnny as Johnny begs for them to take him. Batman breaks out of the ice and... Uh, to see Freeze kind of flee, and he runs after him, but then he hears Johnny call for help, and he stops. Right, so here we have Batman's uh, compassion coming into play again. He might have even been able to catch up to Mr. Freeze for now, but he decides it's... It's worth the It's the more humane thing to do to save this guy, who he's going to send to jail anyway. Yeah, but but he's still going to save him. Right. Uh, We then cut to the Batcave, which now has an escalator. Fantastic. Sure. And we see Johnny suspended in a back-to-tank, we uh, love a back to tank. We do love we got a back Mark to- Hamill in this episode, yep. and we have a back to tank. Back to tank, exactly. Like Empire Who could Strikes ask for anything back. more? That's right. Yeah, exactly. The liquid in it is red, so it's some sort of warming agent to kind of thaw out his icicle legs. 
Alfred comments that Batman is showing some real compassion for Johnny, who would not have done the same for him. And before Batman can really respond, we see him hit some buttons, and then we see this device go off. And like I said before, this sequence is incredible as this thing fires up. Like, why does this look so good? I don't know, but it's amazing. It really does look like it reminded me, right? Reminded me of like a mecha anime when like the mecha animes, the mecha, the mecha suit is like powering up. It looks like something out of Evangelion or Gundam. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, sound, sound design, sound awesome. editing is is great. Here. Unbelievable. Um, but then we notice that Batman has the sniffles. Um, he's got a cold. He's got a cold. Yeah. Yeah. He's got Freeze a game of cold. Freeze game of cold. And uh, Alfred so snarkily says, with all those compartments on your belt, uh, you think there'd be one for tissues, which is a throwback for, to the old Batman 66 series where Batman always had an answer in his utility belt. Shark repellent. Yes, shark repellent. Exactly. Batman then blows his bat nose. Uh, and it sounds like there's like a month's worth of snot. Um, it's actually kind of gross sounding, but like it's perfect. And then uh, an alarm goes off and then we look at the tank and we see the tank start to heat up and Johnny's legs have been thawed out. Um, and he should be okay. Batman then lets out what I consider a mighty bat sneeze. And Alfred tells him that he needs, he needs to get himself into a hot bath, but he can't because he has to go meet with Ferris Boyle. So now we, we meet Boyle finally, who is uh, voiced by Mark Hamill, like we said, using his normal Mark Hamill voice. Um, yep. Wayne, Wayne shows up, he has a cough, uh, and he brings up this terror for Gothcorp, and Boyle says that someone has it out for him, he doesn't know why. But he does, because he, he's yes. a lying fuck. Yes, exactly. Wayne suggests that it's an ex-employee, and uh, Boyle says there is only one man who'd hate Gothcorp that much if he were alive. I love that he just gives it up right away. I know. He's he, like, ah, oh, no, you can't learn my secret. Actually, here it is. He's, he goes, <laughs> here it is. I guess this is like him going like, well, Bruce is a billionaire. I'm a billionaire. We have that billionaire bond. Right. Also, they make it uh, a point to include a line. Like, there's something in Ferris Boyle's greetings where it's just like, oh, are you still the terror of the Gotham night scene yeah, or whatever? Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah, yeah. Again, he thinks of Bruce as an idiot, just yeah. this playboy. Yeah. He's more interested in the girls than anything I'm going to tell him. Yeah, it was some wacko employee. Yeah, you know? and we know bat. We know he's Batman, so it's dramatic we, irony. We know, we know, we know. We know he's doing his bat work. Um, he said there's only one man, and that there was in a fight, and he was an explosion. He was using company equipment for personal reasons, and that the man died. Uh, and then that's Boyle, pr- that's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Um, but like he totally like sweeps it under the rug like it was no big deal. Ah, people die all the time. Yeah, that's right. Know? That's right. And then he he when when Bruce asks him like what was he what was what was he doing and and Boyle says that he was wasting company money, my money. And then he goes into like some anti like viciously awful anti employee speech about how right. the people company is a nice. It's phrase, very Ayn Randian. Yeah. He calls the workers wage slaves. Yep. It's really bad. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's like how this guy is completely unlikable. But again, he, he thinks he's speaking billionaire to billionaire. Yeah. He doesn't realize he's speaking evil billionaire to Batman. To Batman. And know. Batman's like, well, I am a billionaire, but I also will punch you in the face. Sure. Also, this guy sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Very like, spoiled. Like he's awful. worse than Luther. Yeah. I, I like Lex Luthor too, a little bit better than Me than too. This guy. Luther has some nobility to him. Ferris Boyle just sucks balls. Also, he's just terrible. Uh, yeah, no, he's absolutely terrible. Also, Lex Luthor has a cool body, uh, power armor. He does. He does have power armor. Um, to fight Superman. Um, so, uh, he gets a call. Boyle gets a call uh, from someone who is, you know, probably Janine Melnitz. Um <laughs> You know, no, Mr. Boyle, you got someone on the phone for you. Like, completely. We got one. Yeah, it's completely Janine. 
Uh, and then Boyle begins to leave, and then he says that he's being celebrated as Gotham's humanitarian industrialist of the year. Yeah, sounds uh, sounds about right. What a funny oxymor- oxymoronic award to give someone. For all the industrial accidents that go on yep. in this city, no one should be receiving a humanitarian industrialist award. I just want you to look at what the award is, word for word. Humanitarian industrialist. That's absurd. That's an absurd combination yes. of things that usually don't go together right. that often. Unless you're Tony Stark. Yeah, well, of course. Playboy <laughs> billionaire. Um, he privatized world peace. Um, Wayne then says, I feel ill. And says it with the tone of being like, I feel ill that such an award yep. could exist and that you would be receiving it. Yep, exactly. But he plays it off and says, oh, yeah, it's my cold. And then Bruce right. throws so, some shade. Yeah, really with the same tone as Summer Gleason. Mm-hmm. It's really that. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's that it's knowingness. That, like, yeah. Bruce, on his way out, says to uh, Boyle that I bet it's well deserved in uh, such yep. a such a dig 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 such a passive aggressive way. Right, which Boyle doesn't catch. No, he doesn't because yeah. he's an idiot. He doesn't care. Uh, we cut to Boyle speaking to the news about how these attacks have not changed Goth Corp's personal commitment to the community, and then Summer Gleason signs off of a newscast, and we zoom out to see Mister Freeze's ice lair. Because um, he's clearly watching TV as well. He's watching a color right. TV. They also use this in Batman and Robin yes, where exactly. he's like watching TV at home. And this TV is in color. Yes. We had seen the black and white TV earlier, but this one, he has a color TV in his hideout. It's in color. He freezes the TV and it explodes. And then freezes sitting on his ice throne with his snow globe, humanity, compassion, charity. Where were those pretty words when she needed to hear them? Very good. And then he pulls the snow... Sorry, I took your thunder there. No, sorry, yes, he, it was good. And then he pulls... We should, we should share the freeze sh- quotes. All right, we'll I've share, done most of them so we'll far. Share the I think freeze. I did all of them so far. You, you, and, and beautifully. Thank you. He pulls the snow globe up to his face, and then we cut to ice goons! We love... Ice goons! We love themed goons. Themed goons are the best goons, and they are loading up the truck with his big ice cannon. Um, Listen, you got to be a pretty cool villain to get themed goons. Yeah, yeah. You have to earn them. They have blue parkas. That's right. It's so great. So far, Joker had themed goons. Yes. Two Face had themed goons. Freeze has themed goons. And Freeze has themed goons. And that's it so far. I think that's it for themed goons so far. Yes, yes. We'll see many more. He's pretty much telling them to work double time. They have to have the cannon finished tonight so that they could use it for Boyle. And then we cut to Batman again at the back computer looking through the newspapers. Batman, once again, is looking nice. He brings up ex employee. Um, Batman remembers an old headline, but also believes that Goth Corp buried any real information about it. As Batman makes his way out, he begins to cough again, and then Alfred comes out with his utility belt <laughs> and gives Batman uh, something that Batman thinks is knockout gas. And Alfred says, it's chicken soup, the only way to fight a cold. And they're both right. Yes, it's knockout gas. Knockout gas right? and the only way to fight a cold. Exactly, all in one. This is... <laughs> I, I love this. Yes. I love that the chicken soup comes back around. I do. And they're right, though. When you have a cold, nothing's better than a little chicken soup. I agree. I mean, any cold day in general, chicken soup is great, especially if you crumble some crackers in it or maybe some Fritos. <laughs> You're right. I really hope I remember <laughs> this by the end of the episode, the chicken soup. Yes. I want to say something about the chicken soup. All right. Soup, we will say- But we, I can't say it yet. We will talk about the chicken soup when we get okay. to the chicken I'm gonna soup. I'm going to drop a big chicken soup moment. I want you all to brace for Are it. Ready? Prepare yourself for the soup. I Please, I'm getting into soup mode. Yeah, I'm transitioning into soup mode. There it is. Um, we cut to the party. Um, we see a tired security guard who's ready to nod off. He gets interrupted by Batman in disguise <laughs> doing a lovely 
New York slash Long Island accent. Hey, how you doing? I got to take over for you. One of Batman's better disguises, actually. Oh, it's great. Even I was initially fooled. I was like, oh, it's, oh it is Batman. Uh, he has a cold. That's he how has, you knew. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, if you're doing a New York Long Island accent, a little a little nasal, a little stuffy nose for it fits. Yeah. Yeah, it fits because, you know, we all got that kind of nasal accent going on here. Um, <laughs> Batman, then uh, the guy, the, the, how inept is this security guard? Some dude he's never seen comes up to him and goes, hey, how you doing? Uh, they told me to take over. Go enjoy the party. He's like, all right. And he just leaves. You know, in my experience with most security guards, and keep in mind, I work in a school. That's about right. <laughs> I feel like if another guy came in dressed similarly and said, I'll take it from here, that guy would leave work. You know what, dude? That could be Batman. That's it's not. Oh, it's not. Trust okay. me, it's not. All right, all right, all right. No. So then, uh, Batman uses a card key to get into a restricted area, and then we see quick change into Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does some detective level snooping. He opens up a filing cabinet and pulls out a file marked "Top Secret," and we see a picture of a blonde woman in the file. Uh, we then see uh, the same picture of the same woman, uh, uh, clearly at a wedding. She's wedding a balding man with glasses. And we see a medical report: freeze, comma, Nora, diagnosis positive, prognosis terminal yeah not very specific but very clear yes but very clear someone's about to die we then see plans for what we can assume to be a cryogenic freezing chamber uh because of this episode built for nora uh so that they can maybe freeze her until they find a cure and then batman takes a vhs tape that was in the file and plays the tape yeah so this was established during christmas with the joker but this world has vhs tapes yes, they i have tapes I don't know how that's possible. Yes. Well, also it, at some point, it does. Alfred, it's okay. Alfred does go to Batman at the beginning of the episode. He goes, oh, taking up video games. That's uh, right. He yeah. doesn't say that. So, yeah. you know. But wait, uh, and you know this because you're a video game historian. Yeah. There were a couple of video games in the 50s, weren't there? So Space War, I believe, was 1956, but that was only at MIT. Oh, okay. So never but, mind. But that still, doesn't, doesn't but really still, fit. the mainframe computer at MIT is probably similar to the back computer. So Okay. Yeah, so the first video games are, that's like... They're keeping it real. Yeah, they're keeping it as real as they possibly can. But also can. VHS tapes. And the first yes. VCRs are not until the 1980s. It, I swore I was out. I am I am incorrect. Space War is 1962. So oh, fuck. Just, this, this show is bullshit now. I was four now. years off. I Stop. was four years Stop off. Stop the recording. We can no longer record that Mantastic cast. This is it. I, you're right. This is it. I was way wrong. I was four years off. So it's not <sighs> out of the... It's not out of the Art Deco. Mike, I only have one thing to say to you. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's coming right now. It's right off the cuff. This is totally not scripted. Sooner or later, all who stand in my way must feel the icy touch of death. Oh, okay. And I'm saying that, of course, naturally in response to your inaccuracy. Yeah. You've besmirched the podcast. I apologize, but we're going to continue. Um, we then see Victor Freeze introduce himself on the tape as Mr. Victor Freeze. Um, he was recording what he believes may be the mankind's first step towards immortality. Right. <laughs> When Ferris Boyle barges, it's like, ah, immortality, there's no money in that. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, yeah, people Ah, living forever. Stupid bookworm. Yeah, what a jerk. What a nerd. Kill his wife. (laughs) (laughs) And then, (laughs) and uh, it shows a freezing tank, which he built to help those with terminal diseases. Uh, He introduces his wife, Nora. He's then interrupted by Boyle, who instructs the guards to shut it down. He says that he stopped funding on this project weeks ago. Everything was fine until Dickless here turned off the power grid. What? Is this true? Yes, it's true, Your Honor. This man has no dick. Very Ghostbusters brought up twice this episode. Very nice. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Hey, back off, man. I'm a scientist. See, this this feast here represents the last of the petty cash. Eat slowly. Chew your Chew food. food. Um, they also said he, he was uh, Victor the Butch. <laughs> 
Wasn't he also Victor the Butch? Um, I've worked with better, but not but many. Not many. <laughs> um, he says that this this project has put him three million dollars into debt. But uh, Freeze says that if they stop the process now, that his wife will die. Boyle says, "Well, then take her out." Um, and he does normal evil businessman stuff, shuts down the project, Freeze pulls a gun on Boyle, Boyle then kicks him in the chest into his very sciencey looking Freeze chemicals, and then Freeze gets frozen as he climbs on top of Nora's freezing pod. That's and then we cut to Batman. So horrifying. Horrifying. And then we cut to Batman whose only response can be, my God. I know. What kills me about that very tragic scene is that if Boyle had just assessed the situation a little better, he might be like, oh, this might be the most significant science achievement in, in decades. Yeah, it just shows that, proves that Boyle is a bit of a moron. Um, a bit. Yeah, a bit. Uh, so then we cut to Batman who says, my God, Mr. Freeze then bursts in, says, yes, it would move me to tears if I still had tears to shed. Nice. He believes that he's dead inside, as are his emotions. And then Freeze shoots the gun at Batman. And then we cut to Batman hanging upside down and freezes freeze lair. Yeah, so I guess he didn't... I guess this means the gun also has just like a hit him with a big fucking ice ball setting. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. Batman is not frozen in the lair. He's no. just unconscious. He's unconscious, hanging upside down, frozen into the ceiling. And then this is when we get the, the line where he talks about how much he loves the cold. Batman, not so much. But the swift hand of justice, uh, vengeance, is also cold. And then Batman tells Freeze that he saw what happened to his wife. He offers his condolences to Freeze, who says that I am... No. I'm beyond... <laughs> I'm beyond emotions. They're frozen dead in me. He's also got Batman's utility belt hanging over his shoulder. The only one that ever does that. Yep. Smart cookie. Yeah. Smart cookie, Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze knows, The first man. one to take away Batman's utility belt. Yeah, very smart to take away Batman's tools and his toys. Um... And everything Freeze says in this is some sort of like ice or cold or freeze remark, but it's like very done. It's not it, well done. It's not very hacky, right? Which is really remarkable that they could toe that line so well. Uh, Batman then remarks upon Freeze's suit, saying that, you know, he has to stay cold because of the chemicals that he got hit with. And then um, Freeze then goes to Batman and says, Very good. A detective to the last. Which is great. Which is great. That's a great line. And the way Mr. Freeze says these words to Batman is almost out of like a respect for him. Right. That like... Right. I respect you, but you must die. Yeah. He goes, I respect you. Like, it's like he respects Batman because he realizes that Batman is intelligent. Mm -hmm. Right? And I don't think... And science guys like Mr. Freeze pretty much only value intelligence. Yes. So they see Batman. He sees Batman as a smart guy and goes, oh, Batman's actually smart. He can use science. Okay, so I respect him, but I still need to kill him because he's in my way. Yeah. Um, also, I think Freeze understands how much of a threat Batman is. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't kill him in this moment, but I think he's... Maybe he's hoping to avoid that. Yeah. But like the fact that he separates him from the caper yeah. and takes away his utility belt. This is good. Yeah, he's he's disarming Batman as best he can because he knows Batman is is, is is clearly a risk for him. Right. Uh, Freeze let Batman know that he can no longer survive outside of a sub-zero environment. And this is kind of like high on the intel meter but low on the wisdom score because he's like, he's giving Batman his weakness. Yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, I, can I can't exist outside of this suit. And then we have that lovely monologue that Jordan gave us before where he talks about warmth and that when Batman says, well, you're willing to kill for this and Freeze pretty much says, yes, I am willing to kill uh, for this. 
Um, Freeze makes his way off, and Batman breaks out of his bindings and uses a big icicle to cut himself down. Uh, right. Well, here's yeah. Here's the fatal mistake. Ah, Batman. I know what I'll do. I'll hang him upside down from a cave like a bat. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Clearly, Batman can get out of that. <laughs> um, yeah. He grabs the icicle, which is looking like a stalactite, yep. and just bashes himself until he's free. Yep. He gets out, uh, and then we're back at the party. The freeze cannon truck rolls up, and the valet asks for keys. Hilarious. <laughs> Voiced by Kevin Conroy, I believe. Exactly. That's Conroy. I, it sounds like him. Freeze commands his men to freeze the building. Um, we see the canisters load right. up. It he looks actually says, awesome. seal off the building. Seal off the building. And then he literally does that with ice. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and the, the, filling, the filling of the canisters looks amazing. Yeah, it looks amazing. good. Amazing. It looks good. Um, and then we cut to Batman, who's nursing his frozen legs. And um, we see him dodge like an ice wall that's being built currently as Freeze is sealing off the building. Freeze commands the freezing to go higher and higher. Eventually, they break the window where the ceremony is being held and cold air blows in. Double the power. Batman breaks the controls with an icicle. Well done. And then he fights He fights Freeze, dodging his blasts, and he gets back his utility belt. And then he does that cool no-look punch. What does that mean? What's a no-look punch? All right, so it happens in Batman 89, and it happens in this episode. A goon is creeping up on Batman, and then Batman... Oh, yeah, he just... Yeah, he just pops yeah, up he his... pops his... Like he, he L brackets yeah, his, yeah, he his like arm. Pops his, he pops his, his fist backwards without looking at the guy, knowing that the guy is, and he Very smashes good. him in the face. Yeah, okay, I Which got is it. pretty awesome. I got it. Um, that first Batman fight scene in that 89 movie is like etched in my memory. It's something uh, I think about a lot. Yeah, you're right. It's very good. I actually think about the Robert Pattinson fight in the trail in the uh, train station a lot, too. It's good. I think it's very good. It's good. It's like Daredevil Hallway good. Um, and then Freeze does the coolest thing. Yes, I know. It's a pun. Uh, that you can do with ice powers. And he kicks open that hydrant and then freezes the water so that he turns it into like this ice pathway he up to the window. rides the stream. He does a Bobby Drake. Yeah, he does a Bobby Drake. He does an Iceman ice sled. Freeze kicks open the door to the party and everyone gasps. And he corners Boyle. And the cold eyes of vengeance are upon you, Boyle. And then Boyle asks, who are you? And then Fr- Freeze responds with, clearly you remember your old colleague, Victor Freeze. He says As- Victor Fries. And then yes. he corrects himself. He says, ah! no, wait, it's pronounced Freeze. Freeze. McDonald's was rude to me. Their ice cream machine is always broken. I fixed it for them. And then I fixed them. <laughs> Um, He's a hero. Yeah, he is. He fixed the ice cream machine. Uh, he readies his gun, and Freeze begins to freeze Boyle from the legs up, and then Boyle begs him to stop, to which Mr. Freeze is, you beg? And then he explains that in his nightmares, he sees Nora, his wife, begging behind the glass, and now has longed to see that look frozen on Boyle's face. He readies his gun again, and then enter Batman, who hits the gun with yet another batarang, and then kicks Freeze in the glass helmet. Batman, no, which yeah. is no good. Which is no good. It doesn't work because it's a big glass helmet. Batman then lands some punches to freeze his armor and helmet, but then Freeze gets Batman by the neck and lets him know that the suit has tripled his strength. Yeah, and he also he, he fucking lifts up and throws Batman around like he's a yes. rag doll. But Freeze isn't a great fighter, but he's super strong. He's in just so suit. strong it doesn't matter. It doesn't and matter. also, I don't think he's ever imagining anyone's going to get in close range of no, him. No, because he has he's got a, that he gun. Has the best ranged weapon in the show. Yep. Or in the series, I should yep. say. And if you get in close to him, he's three times as strong as the yep. strongest person. Crazy. So, you know. Crazy. And then he picks up Batman again and then, you know, lets him know that anyone who gets in his way will feel the icy touch of death, which is super, super heavy to say on a children's show. Yeah. I, I just, I really do love how much of a physical threat Freeze is for Batman. Because yeah. we don't have a lot of villains like that. 
sometimes it's really exciting to watch someone who's evenly matched with Batman. Like, for example, uh, Two-Face in this show is very physically strong. Yes, yes. And I would say maybe even as strong or almost as strong as, as Batman yes. or Bruce Wayne. Yes, Joker actually also fights pretty well one-on-one. I like, think, they're big guys. I think, with, yeah, I, they, they're all kind of broad-shouldered. Like, right. everyone in this show is like a box. And then Freeze, I forgot. Yeah, he's just, a, he's a monster. Yeah, yeah. He's a monster, a smart monster, but a monster. A smonster. Yeah, he's a smonster. Um, Batman, a smartster? Smartster? That's not as good. I think Smonster is better. Smonster was better. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then Batman does the best thing in the episode using his utility belt once again. Thanks, Alfred. Uh, he goes in the utility belt and grabs out the only way to fight a cold, chicken soup. And Batman throws the chicken soup onto Mr. Freeze's <laughs> helmet and hot soup spreads all over the frozen glass. It does kind of look like pee. It does. But w- and pee is hot. Yeah, pee is warm. This is hot pee. Hot pee. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. We're not going to sing that song from uh, Tim and Eric. <laughs> no, stop. Uh, stop. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, I want to pause. Ch- chicken soup. This is the chicken soup moment yes. that you've all been waiting yes. for. So, listen, hear me out here. I'm sure that it is for a practical reason, like the reason why his helmet wouldn't break was because yeah. it needed to be warmed up before it broke. Well, because the helmet is frozen. Yes. Right? So, glass... When it's frozen, right. loses its... I mean, ice and cold. I mean, listen, we're, this is science stuff that we're talking about. Neither of us are scientists, but I took it as... This is where I should have dropped back off, man. I'm a scientist. Yes, exactly. Fuck, I yeah, missed my I chance. Know, I know. Damn it. Um, my understanding of the science here is someone who is, you know... When ice, when glass gets really cold, it gets brittle. And when you hit something that's super cold... When you hit glass that is super, super cold with something that is super, super hot, in this instance, chicken soup... It will crack. Right. So I think it goes to metaphor. Yeah. The chicken soup, chicken soup in culture. Yes. Is usually something that your mom or your grandmother made for you. Yep. Like with love. Yep. So that you will get better. Yep. So I am supposing that Batman does not just break Freeze's helmet. Yeah. With a canister of chicken soup, but rather like with love. Yes. Right? Yes. Is that too much? I think I think it might be, but uh, I think it works. I think it works. No, I do. I do. This is my brilliant moment. No, I this think, is why you hired me and you pay me all well, this money. It's kind of like villains always drinking milk in movies, right? Milk is something that is milk. considered These pure assholes, and natural milk. and yeah. something that you get Weirdos. From, from. No one should be drinking milk. No, Stop hate, doing that. I don't. I don't like milk. No. Um, kids, kids can drink. But milk. you know what? It, you're right. And it's also something that is so simplistic and so comfort. And Batman is literally fighting cold. Yeah, with uh, a, but with also a, with freezes soup. lack of compassion, yep. right? And yep. the chicken soup kind of represents care. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say no, about I think it. You're right. I just like I think that there's something to that. It's a very, listen. That's a great take. I like it. I like it. I'm a lot. sure Paul Dini's listening to this episode oh, yeah. right now. He listens every week. We're best friends, yeah. and he's saying. Finally, someone got my chicken soup moment. Yeah, I wanted to make chicken soup as something that comforts people. Right, and, and he's will... saying, that Jordan Hugh, he's he's a real smarty. Yeah, we're going to hire him for Batman Cape Crusader. Right. He's a real smonster. Yes, yeah, monster. As it's often yes. been said of me. So, um, because of the hot soup on the cold helmet, um, the helmet... Hot be- chicken! <laughs> looks like pee! <laughs> I had to do it, I'm sorry. It, of course. Um, the helmet cracks and shatters, and freeze falls to his knees because uh, he can't really function outside of the sub-zero temperature. Uh, actually, when we were watching this, Amanda was like, is, is he going to die? I'm like, nah, Batman just <laughs> wrecked him. Nah, he's fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs> uh, he'll go to Arkham and, and nothing bad will happen there. Correct. Um, we hear Freeze's voice kind of short out as he collapses. It like breaks up as though it's like a, like a robotic voice that stops working. Almost as if he's been warmed by love. Yes, yes. Love, 
Love soup. Yes, he right. hit him with the love soup. Chicken soup for the villain soul. Um, Ooh, very good. Yeah, yeah. Mike. Yeah, here we go. He says vengeance, but Batman says no. Justice. Exactly. And he reveals the tape. He gives the tape to one of the women at the party, and he reveals how Boyle essentially killed Nora Freeze. He gives the evidence over, because Batman, even though you know he's putting Freeze in Arkham, um, Batman is the spirit of justice, and yeah. he pretty much is just like, yeah, Boyle's a piece of garbage too. And then I actually think this is the line of the episode. Oh, definitely. When Batman goes to Boyle as he's making his way out, and he goes, good night, humanitarian. Ooh. That line fucking Ooh. rules. And look, I know... Freeze has all the good dialogue in this episode, but that's the best line. Massive shade. Yes. Massive shade from Batman. Yeah. Beautiful. That's very good. I love it. Um, but yeah, Ferris Boyle, one of the worst guys ever. We don't see Ferris Boyle again in the animated series, and I kind of wish we could have gotten a little bit darker just for one thing. Yeah. I just wanted to see him die. Yeah. I really do. He's like truly a sack of shit villain. True, but Batman wouldn't let him die. I understand that, but I like. I kind of wish this was like a Punisher episode because yeah, yeah. Punisher would have thrown him out the window. Here's what Punisher would have done <laughs> to Ferris Boyle. Punisher wouldn't have had an elaborate scheme to freeze the building and do it. Punisher would have walked into his office middle of the day and shot him in the face and then left. <laughs> right, right. I've done my job. That's justice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, truly fuck Ferris Boyle. One of the worst characters we've seen. Oh, awful. I mean, like, great. Oh, yeah, great villain, but, but terrible. terrible. Yeah. Um, so then we get one of, uh, one of the most... Um, you know, the last scene in this episode is uh, is one of the most um, sympathetic episodes in the in the uh, sympathetic scenes in the episode. It it paints Mister Freeze in a little bit of a different light. We cut to Arkham, and we see Victor from outside of his window. He's not in a suit anymore, and he's in this frozen cell in Arkham. And he pulls out the ballerina snow globe music box again from under his pillow. So I guess Batman let him keep it, right? Right. When they mm-hmm. took him to Arkham. Yeah. And then he says his voice is not as robotic now. He kind of is in between the robotic Mr. Freeze voice and the Victor Freeze voice that we heard from the video. And he says to Noro, I failed you. Um, and he says that he can only beg that she will forgive him. And then we can see Mr. Freeze start to cry, which is something he said he didn't have anymore. He didn't have tears anymore. He had no emotions anymore. So I think Mr. Freeze believed that he was dead or he convinced himself that his emotions are dead, but he's not. Yeah. And he's actually very, very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, In the special edition commentary, uh, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini mentioned that if they had time to go back and change any one thing about this basically perfect episode, they would like to have his tears freeze on his face yeah. as they roll down his cheeks. They had the idea for it. It was already too late in production. And the one nice thing about the Schwarzenegger performance, they do get that to happen yeah. in that movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably a little hard to show on animation. It is, but they, they had the idea for it. It was just... Yeah. When you're doing this much, yes. it's too hard sometimes it's very, to get everything. Very difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. Um, he touches the snow globe, and then the snow globe begins to frost up. And then we cut to Batman on a rooftop looking at Freeze. And then he turns away in that very Batman way and starts to walk off the building. But he stops. And he turns around, and he looks at the window once again, showing that Batman has some degree of sympathy for Mr. Freeze. Yeah. It's that second look back that yeah. kills me. He's like, yeah. he's like, all right, yeah, this is rough. Um, but you know, he's in Arkham, blah, blah, blah. And he turns around and then he stops and then he looks back and he's just like, it's almost like he's judging himself yes. for not helping him more. Yes. Like this to me feels like Batman going, I really wish I was there. I may, you know, and this is me extrapolating upon extrapolating upon extrapolating, but maybe it was like, maybe if Wayne tech, hired Victor Freeze, maybe this wouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? That's something where, yeah. you know, 
Wayne runs a technical company, Gothcorp's a tech technical company. Maybe he would have had a better home at Wayne Tech. Maybe he would have been able to save Nora or at least work with Victor to get this done. So yeah. um, knowing that Batman also runs a tech company also kind of um, kind of hits here um, for this kind of tragic story. Yeah. The the last image is really nice. Uh, not just Batman doing his second look, but the last image of Victor yeah. where we have him in that blue light cell which uh of course harkens back to the opening scene of the episode it feels like freeze himself is stuck inside that snow globe yes um very much really beautiful yeah really really beautiful episode and then we we close with the credits um i mean you know to go into closing thoughts i feel like there are none because we've kind of just gushed the whole time we've said so many things but i have some what, what are your closing thoughts so there's we've really uh pick the bones clean in terms yeah. of why this is such an enduring episode yeah. and and why it is so good. There's one thing I want to say that I think is really enduring for me about this episode in terms of how it affects Batman and the rest of the series. One, this episode is certainly the model by which they measure all episodes afterward. Mm -hmm. So this is like, this is the point of excellence that they try to always get back to. And sometimes yeah. they do. Yeah. The other thing I want to say is that we value Batman's villains so much to the point that we even often center them. I mean, Mr. Freeze is the star of this episode. Of Batman course. is in the background. Of course. We center them because of how they reveal something about Batman. Yeah. Right? We often say on the show that Batman is the unknown character, and his villains kind of show us who he really is. Yeah. In the case of Two-Face, it speaks to Batman's sense of identity, his yeah. duality, balancing mm -hmm. Bruce Wayne and Batman and being unable to really do mm -hmm. that and always questioning which one is the disguise, right? For a villain like the Riddler, it uh, challenges Bruce and his use of his intellect. Yeah. For Scarecrow, it's the use of fear tactics and how much he himself is afraid. Even the Penguin kind of challenges Bruce Wayne specifically, his wealth and influence and how that can sort of corrupt. And the Joker, of course, is the antithesis of everything Batman is. He's an agent of complete chaos and illogic and injustice. Mr. Freeze might be the saddest one of these for me because Mr. Freeze represents how you have to, or how Batman attempts to suppress the emotional effects of his trauma. Yeah. Right? Mr. Freeze claims to be emotionally dead. It's a lie. Yeah, he's, he's right? lying to himself. Yeah, Batman's like stony visage, right? How he never lets anything in. Mr. Freeze is like the key to that in showing us that like underneath Batman's hard exterior, he is totally vulnerable. And Mr. Freeze is kind of the cartoonish outward expression of that right yeah. that is the reflection that batman sees i think that's why he gives that second look yeah towards mr freeze because yeah. it's like i see myself in this person i know what it's like to lose everything mm -hmm. and to not be able to get the revenge that you want yeah no it's true it's true and you know he's in a similar spot to mr freeze but you know it's two sides of the same coin it's like you know you could see how Batman could have become like Mr. Freeze and become an, a villain. Right. Right. And he doesn't. But I think Batman also probably sees in Mr. Freeze that he could have been so much more and decides to instead hurt people, which, you know, Batman has to put him in jail for that. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, it's a really interesting episode. It's a really interesting psychological kind of breakdown of Batman. 
Um, and like you said, how Batman's villains can often be mirrors right. into Batman. I mentioned this earlier and I wanted to circle back to it. There is a little bit of a capitalist indictment yeah. going on in this episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I actually don't think it's as strong in this episode as it is in some others, yeah. despite the fact that we have this Ayn Randian villain running yeah. around in this episode. No, I, so I, I, think I think we're, we're going right. to revisit this topic soon Yes, in another episode that I'm already thinking of. Absolutely. And we'll yeah. get to that soon. But uh, ranking? Very high. Yes, um, very high. Easy top 10, easy top five. For me personally, even though I think many people will put this as number one, I already have the spot reserved. Okay. Heart of Ice for me will be number three. Okay. That's a great spot to put Heart of Ice. Yes. For me, it's hard. It's It might be number one. It this might is be number, number one two. for you. It might be number two. Okay. I don't know yet. I have to I have to, I have to. to soak with it a little more, but it's definitely top three for me. Right. Yeah, not to be gooey. I have two episodes that are like basically like core to my identity as a person that I have to put above this episode. Yes. But I actually think this episode might be better than those episodes. So we'll, we'll leave it up to the listeners to hopefully stay with us that long to find out what the other two are. But Heart of Ice is an easy number three for me and the highest ranked episode that we've covered so far. I'm, I'm very excited. But yes, this is definitely the best episode we've covered so far, and um, it could be the best episode we cover, period, based on your opinion of this episode. So thank you so much for, for listening to this episode of the batman Cast. and on next episode, we're finally getting to Catwoman with Season 1, Episode 15, The Cat and the Claw, Part 1. Are you ready? Oh, I'm meow. 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 We're both going to get to cover a Catwoman episode. That's right. And um, thank you all for joining us. This was the Batman Tastic Cast for Jordan Hugh. I'm Mike Staub. Thank you and see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Batman Tastic Cast. We hope you enjoyed our take on Heart of Ice. If you want to continue to support the podcast, please give us a like. Give us a subscribe, leave a comment, show your friends this podcast, and follow us on social media. All of these things make the show that much more visible. And, well, the more visibility we have, the more stuff we will look to do in the future. So you can find us on social media on pretty much every platform at BatmanTasticast. And feel free to reach out to us. Feel free to discuss with us. Respond to our photos. Talk to us on Facebook. We love that type of stuff. As you saw in this episode, we... Got some very cool input from one of our listeners, and we would love to see and hear more of that from you in the future. So for Jordan Hugh, I'm Mike Staub. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.